The Orioles finally had an off day on Monday, and they probably needed it with the amount of bullpen arms that have been going out there day after day. And the big issue has been Orioles starters just not getting deep into games. And maybe the number one culprit was Cole Irvin, who then got optioned to AAA late last week. So a couple days late, we'll break down why the Orioles made that move, what's next for Irvin, the O's rotation, and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to dive deeper into the Cole Irvin news. Because the Orioles, after Thursday's game, last week against the Athletics, after Cole Irvin had his third straight bad start, ended up optioning him to AAA. The guy they traded for from Oakland this offseason, and one of their bigger moves, gets sent down to AAA. And because of the timing of the move and my timing of recording, I was not able to really touch on the subject, on the move, on the last two episodes of the pod. So with the off day on Monday, wanted to jump into it today, talk about the move, why the O's did it, why Irvin is struggling, and how long it could be before he returns, and then what the O's will do with the rotation and with the bullpen in the meantime. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MLB60 and use code MLB60 for 60% off plus free shipping. So let's jump right into it here today. Cole Irvin is in AAA. Now this is something that I did mention on the episode when the Orioles traded for Irvin earlier in the offseason, sending Daryl Hernandez, one of their top 20 prospects, over to Oakland for Irvin and right-handed pitching prospect Kyle Verbitsky. I talked about how it was big that, you know, Irvin's not a big-time veteran, but had just pitched two full MLB seasons, pitching about 180 innings a year. He gets deep into games. Talked about how he had four years of team control left, which was really big. And I also mentioned that he still had a minor league option left, meaning if for some reason things kind of fell apart at any point for Irvin, the Orioles did have the option to send him down to AAA once to kind of reset. Unfortunately, they had to use that option. And double unfortunately, they had to use it in mid-April. Three starts into his Orioles career, they have to send him to Norfolk. It's nice that they had the option to do so, but that is not good. So we start with, why did the Orioles make this move? Well, for three starts for Cole Irvin, it was not good. And this is a guy who prides himself on getting deep into games, but never even finished five innings in his first three starts. In total, in 12 and two-thirds innings, he had a 10.66 ERA with the Orioles so far. 17 hits, 15 earned runs, 13 Ks to eight walks, and two long balls allowed in 12 and two-thirds innings. All three starts were bad in their own ways. His first start in Boston, four innings, six runs, eight hits, four Ks, two walks, and a homer. That second start against the Yankees, where he did limit the damage, tied a career high with four walks, four and two-thirds innings, three runs, four hits, five Ks, and four walks. 
And then the one against Oakland was just against a really, really bad offense. And still, four innings, six runs, five hits, four Ks, two walks, and a home run allowed against the A's. And that was the day that the Orioles sent him down. And now the O's did have some outside pressures on them to make this decision. Number one being, they did need to clear up a rotation spot somewhere. By this Wednesday, the Orioles were going to have to make a rotation decision because all signs right now are pointing to Kyle Bradish is going to be activated off the injured list on Wednesday, return exactly 15 days after he went on the IL, after he was hit in the foot by that line drive, and looks like he's going to start against the Nats on Wednesday night, be perfectly healthy. He's one of the O's best starters already. Easy decision to put him right back in the rotation. So the O's had to make a move here and take somebody out. Now, it was Grayson Rodriguez who replaced Bradish when he first got injured, but Rodriguez is the top pitching prospect, and a lot of people want him to stay in the bigs. So the O's had to make a move, and quite frankly, when you got down to it, Irvin was the worst of the five in terms of on-field performance. And it's concerning that, yeah, he was giving up runs, but I've talked about this as well. You know, Cole Irvin doesn't exactly have flamethrower stuff. I mean, he throws 91 with a fastball. He tries to hit the corners with a changeup and a curveball and kind of get you to hit the ball to the ground. He's not a big strikeout guy. He's not an overpowering guy. So that means sometimes he's going to get hit hard. But something he hasn't really done the last two years with Oakland is give up a lot of walks. So when he doesn't get hit super hard, he's able to get deep into games, and that's a lot of his value. You know, pitching seven innings a night at times, that is huge, especially in Major League Baseball in 2023. But he wasn't doing that at all because he was walking guys. Eight walks in three starts, and in only 12 and two-thirds innings because he's not getting deep. Cole Irvin really didn't have a stretch that bad in terms of command, a three-start stretch that bad in either of his two years with the A's, his first two full seasons in the big leagues. That's what makes it very, very concerning. And there were only three starts last year with Oakland where Irvin failed to complete five innings. His first three starts with Baltimore, he does that. That's really concerning as well. So you add that all up, and you kind of get why he goes to AAA. Now, I will say, if Irvin did not have that minor league option yet, if he had to be DFA'd, I do not think the Orioles make that move. A guy you trade for in the offseason, send over a legitimate prospect to get the first time Mike Elias has done that, sending away a legitimate prospect for a legitimate big leaguer, or at least who we thought was a legitimate big leaguer. You're not going to DFA that guy after three starts. That's never going to happen. So I will say the other outside factor besides Kyle Bradish returning was the fact that Irvin had the minor league option. If he didn't have it, no chance he is DFA'd. And it's kind of fortunate for the Orioles there. And that's probably one of the reasons why he was the guy they targeted in a trade. Because if he doesn't have an option yet, he's still in this rotation. He's just trying to figure it out at the big league level right now. But luckily, you know, Brandon Hyde talked about it. He thinks he just needs to go down and work on his command a bit. That's been something that's been really good for him throughout his career before he got to Baltimore. So I don't think Hyde is super worried about him figuring it out again. But he does need to work on some things, and it's a command issue. And to me, it seems like it might be a mechanical issue. And, you know, Irvin talked to Andy Koska of the Baltimore Banner before his last start against the Athletics. And he told Andy in the story about how he kind of watched video from his first two starts trying to figure out what was going on. And he realized that his plant foot, his left foot, the one that he pushes off the rubber with, was not in the correct spot and he wasn't pushing exactly the correct direction and felt like he had changed that and was changing it going into that Oakland start and felt like he could turn things around. But the weird part was he identified that, he made it public, and then he still pitched 
you could argue worse than the first two starts. So at that point, you kind of get really lost on what's going on with Irvin. And I do think it's mechanical. All his velocities are pretty similar. Even some of them are a little bit up in terms of what we've seen before versus what we're seeing now. The pitch's movement is generally the same. It's just command, and I think it's a mechanical thing. So it's good that the O's can send him down to AAA. You know, he may start a game this week. He may not. They may just kind of do side sessions for a week or so to try to figure it out before putting him back on a AAA mound. You have that option of doing that once you send him down to the minor leagues. So it's going to be interesting to see. But the big thing I will say about this move is that it does show Now, not on a huge scale, and there's much bigger moves the Orioles could make to show this on a huge scale, but it does show that the Orioles are at least serious about winning this season. Any Orioles team for the last five, six plus years would not have sent a veteran Cole Irvin, who you just traded for to bolster the rotation, down to AAA after three starts especially none of the last couple of rebuilding Orioles teams. They would have just said, this is a veteran arm. We need somebody to throw innings. But yes, it's been bad for Irvin, but they also feel confident enough that they have other options. And they feel like Cole Irvin is hurting us when he takes the mound right now. We're trying to win games and he's not helping that cause. Let's send him down. That's not something the Orioles would have done over the last few years. So the Irvin trade itself I felt like turned one page in this rebuild, sending away a prospect for a big leaguer. And the Irvin demotion, as unfortunate as it is that he's pitching this poorly, I think turns another page showing, hey, if a veteran guy isn't performing well, we're not just going to keep sending him back out there because if he's hurting the team, we need guys to help the team because we're trying to win. So that's definitely a good look here. But it's still concerning about what's happening to Irvin because even though the right move was made now, I believe the Orioles still need at least a solid Cole Irvin in the big leagues if they're going to make the postseason this year because he is the innings eater. He is the guy that throws strikes, gets through games, pitches seven, eight innings. At least that's what he was in Oakland. The Orioles need that. And so when you look into the numbers and you say, well, what's changed? Well, first of all, in terms of pitch usage, he's kind of ditched his sinker. Now, he came in with two fastballs, the four-seamer and the sinker. And he's always thrown the four-seamer more, but his sinker was always his number two used pitch. This year, sinker's down at number four. He's only thrown about 20 sinkers in three starts, whereas his four-seam fastball is once again his number one pitch as usual. And it's interesting for a ground ball pitcher like Cole Irvin, who last season had a 38% ground ball rate. He's been a ground ball pitcher, not heavy ground ball pitcher, but slightly ground ball pitcher in his career. It's funny to see him ditch the sinker. And what's happened? Well, his ground ball rate has fallen from 38% to 29%. That's not good. Guys are hitting the ball in the air more often. That's why he's given up home runs and extra base hits. His average launch angle has grown from 15 degrees to 20 degrees, which means more line drives, more fly balls, more extra base hits right there as well. And some of that I feel like has to do with less sinkers. Because the four-seam fastball, where it's been solid in the past couple of years, not only is he not throwing the sinker, But the four-seamer is getting demolished. Opponents are hitting over 300 against his four-seamer. Opponents have a 652 slugging percentage against that four-seam fastball, which again is his number one most used pitch so far this season, and an average 27-degree launch angle, which means everything is in the air against that four-seamer. That is not a good recipe for success. So while they look at the mechanics and try to figure out if that's the issue when he's in Norfolk, They also maybe want to look at the pitch mix because I really like Irvin's changeup 
and I want to see him throw it more. But he may have to involve more sinkers, more breaking balls as well, and just step away from that four-seamer a little bit because it is currently not working out for him. Because he is getting a few more strikeouts per outing this year, but the walk rate, I mean, this is the big thing. The walk rate. Cole Irvin just doesn't walk guys. 4.9% his walk rate last year. That is elite. That is like elite strike thrower. It has almost tripled to 12.7% through his three starts this year. That is very, very concerning. I know it's a small sample size, 12 and two-thirds innings, but that's concerning. His chase rate is down. Guys are making contact much more on his pitches in the zone this season, so he's not getting swings and misses in the zone or foul balls, not getting as many called strikes. Guys are attacking pitches more in the zone and hitting them in play. That is all a recipe for some bad things to happen. And again, it's only three starts, but... The Orioles did make a move, at least, that says we're trying to win. And the hope is Irvin can figure it out, come back, and help this team. But for the meantime, the Orioles do have to kind of figure out what to do with this staff. Because they were counting on Cole Irvin to not be an ace, but be a guy who can save your bullpen every five days, pitch deep into games. And yes, sometimes he's going to give up five runs, but other times he's going to go seven innings and give up one run and frustrate other teams and be a really, really good addition. We have not seen anything close to that version of Cole Irvin yet. So who can step in? What do the O's do with the rotation and a little bit with the bullpen as well? We'll talk about that coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by So Rare. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace, transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. And unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. And plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards, accessing next-level competitions and rewards. And if you're ranking highly in their MLB Game Week competitions, you can win a variety of prizes, which include scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and even VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. So head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. So with Cole Irvin down in AAA Norfolk for the time being, obviously the Orioles have to make some adjustments in both the rotation and the bullpen as it stands right now. And the rotation adjustment, the first step is the easy one. As far as we know at this point, Kyle Bradish will be returning to the Orioles rotation on Wednesday. It looks like he'll be activated off the injured list Wednesday, which is the first day he's eligible. He pitched in Bowie on Friday night in a rehab start, gave up three runs, a homer over four innings, but he struck out five. The stuff looks solid. He seemed like he was pretty much ready to go. You're not really looking at the numbers there. You're more looking at the stuff, the velocities, if he's looking healthy, if he's landing correctly on that foot, all that kind of stuff. That looked good, so Braddish should be back. So... Cole Irvin could have started the Wednesday game. He would have been in line potentially to start the Wednesday game. So with Dean Kramer named the starter here on Tuesday, it's easy to just bring Bradish back, throw him Wednesday, and kind of put him right into Irvin's spot in the rotation. But that really is the easy answer. That only answers the first of many questions now about the Orioles pitching staff. So if you kept things in line, 
it is nice for the O's that they had the off day Monday and they have an off day this week on Thursday. A double off day week is nice to kind of reset the rotation and the bullpen, which certainly needs a break. But with Kramer going Tuesday, most likely Braddish Wednesday, it would be in line to be the same weekend rotation it was last weekend in Chicago with Tyler Wells Friday, Kyle Gibson Saturday, and Grayson Rodriguez Sunday, flipping it back to Dean Kramer next Monday when the Orioles do not have an off day at all next week. So that would be the plan, but moves could still be made here. So Keegan Aiken, who was also part of the roster moves that were made on Thursday with Cole Irvin, it wasn't just Irvin being sent down, it was also Aiken being put on the paternity list, and the Orioles called up Spencer Watkins and Yenier Cano to take their place on the roster. So Aiken, it looks like, and this could change as you listen to this, but it seems like here on Tuesday, Aiken will be activated off the paternity list and theoretically would be available out of the bullpen against the Nationals. So by Wednesday, by the time they make the Braddish move, the Orioles would make two roster moves here. Now, I do feel like Spencer Watkins probably the most likely to get sent down. He was mostly here for emergency long relief when he got called up. I don't think they were bringing him up to use him in any kind of high leverage spots. So he could stick around, but he would seem like to me the most likely to just go back down into the AAA rotation. So that would be the easy replacement where Braddish comes back, you send Watkins down. But you still have the Keegan Aiken question. And you can't send Yenier Cano back down to AAA. You just cannot do it. He comes up on Friday and honestly saves that game for the Orioles in Chicago. Comes in, gets a huge double play, gets five outs for the Orioles, looks nasty, then comes back Saturday and throws a absolutely filthy 1-2-3 bottom of the ninth inning to send the game to extras against 2-3-4, the meat of the White Sox order in Luis Robert, Andrew Vaughn, and Aloy Menez. That's a heck of a 2023 debut for Cano, who when we saw him in the bigs last year, the command was bad. I mean, the stuff was good. The stuff looks similar to what it looked like over the weekend against Chicago, but the command was real, real bad. That kind of changed in spring training. He had 10 strikeouts to no walks in spring training, went down to AAA Norfolk, had three scoreless innings down there without really walking anybody, and just came up and was kind of a star over the weekend for the Orioles out of the bullpen. So whereas you maybe would have initially thought, oh, we'll just send him back down, we'll use him when we need to over the weekend, I would argue the Orioles' bullpen needs Yenier Cano right now. So to me, you have multiple separate options. One is just sending Keegan Aiken right from the paternity list back down to AAA. Aiken does have one minor league option remaining. And yeah, he's only pitched four and a third innings this year so far. But, I mean, he has an 8.31 ERA, and he has not looked good at all. He looks more so like the bad second-half Keegan Aiken we saw last year instead of the really good first-half Keegan Aiken. You could do that. Austin Voth is certainly a DFA candidate. Now, you think a little harder about that one because he doesn't have options, so you have to DFA him. And he did have a little better appearance, at least last Thursday, against the A's. But I think it's kind of the end of the road for Austin Voth. Most of us can agree. So he's definitely a candidate there when, you know, you have to potentially activate Aiken and, and DFA Voth. You can't rule out them sending Grayson Rodriguez back down. But I feel like at this point, with the Braddish injury and then Irvin being optioned, Michael Ice has just been forced to keeping Grayson Rodriguez in the rotation, and as he should be. 
And then the other option would maybe be Logan Gillespie. I know he didn't look good when he gave up the walk-off on Saturday in Chicago, but that was such a tough spot for him. You know, he was basically the only guy the O's could go to in that scenario and get a, a really unlucky bloop double on the first pitch of the inning, just kind of set him up for failure there. But he leads the Orioles' bullpen in appearances right now, so it doesn't feel like they would send a guy down that Brandon Hyde at least has gone to a lot out of the pen early this year, mostly out of necessity, but still it means something that he keeps calling on Gillespie's name. But the other thing that could happen is, since Cano is staying, they could also keep Watkins around because, you know, you you do need a somewhat reliable long guy if you can. So maybe, you know, Bradish comes back, you keep Watkins around. Maybe it's Keegan Aiken and Austin Voth that go. Maybe Voth gets DFA'd, Aiken goes down to AAA, and Watkins is your long guy and Cano stays in the bullpen. All those things could happen as well, but... If they do DFA both and send down, you know, Keegan Aiken potentially, you do want a long guy. So maybe Watkins is that choice. I wouldn't say it's 100% Spencer Watkins goes down. He's probably the most likely. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule out Aiken going right to AAA or both DFA or even Logan Gillespie as well. But I, I can tell you one thing. The Orioles cannot afford to send Yenier Cano back to AAA right now. He was too good in those two appearances over the weekend. But, that's a look at, at least for now. And again, we don't know when Cole Irvin's going to be back. I mean, I would expect at the very least he's going to take a couple of weeks down there. Whether he fixes it immediately or not, it's going to be at least probably three turns through his rotation in the bigs before he gets up here. So I wouldn't expect him back until at least the month of May. That gives him a couple weeks to reset in Norfolk. But when that happens, the Orioles are going to have another decision to make, and maybe there'll be another injury by then. Maybe if Dean Kramer continues to struggle by then, he could be a guy who switches roles. You don't know, but that's always in the back of your mind. But for now, I think you're going Kramer, Bradish, Wells, Gibson, and Rodriguez in the rotation, and you got to keep a Cano in that bullpen, and maybe Aiken or Voth do lose their spots when the Orioles make these roster moves here over the next couple of days. So that does bring me, though, to the Orioles' bullpen, and that's where I wanted to finish today's episode because a couple of weeks ago I did the first edition of the Orioles' bullpen trust rankings here on the podcast. Which relievers do I trust? Which relievers do I eh, sometimes maybe trust? And which relievers right now do I not trust in the Orioles' bullpen? Now, I'm going to list a little more than eight right now because there's some fluidity with guys up and down, but we'll talk about ten guys when I come back and who I trust right now in kind of a shaky group of Orioles relievers. So to finish off the pod today, I wanted to take a look at the Orioles' bullpen, which, as we all know, has not been the group that it was in 2022. In 2022, this was a top-five bullpen for most of the year, and this was a pen that kept the Orioles in a lot of games and helped the Orioles win a lot of games. That really hasn't been the case for this bullpen this year. It's been uh, shaky, to say the least. So for the second time this season, I wanted to break out the Orioles' bullpen trust rankings. Who do I trust? Who do I maybe trust? And who do I not trust at all? Let's start with trust. Now, I am ranking 10 guys here. Now, there's only eight guys in the bullpen at any time, but I'm ranking 10 guys because, you know, Watkins and Cano are here, but, you know, a guy like Aiken could come back. And technically, they have nine in the bullpen right now because Irvin got sent down. They didn't call up another starter. So that's why I'm ranking 10 guys. I would have four in the trust category right now. It is not the four you would have thought coming into the season. I would say two of the four you would have thought. That's Felix Bautista and Brian Baker. Bautista's been great. Little shaky first two outings, but he's been great since then. That that outing Friday night in Chicago, that stuff was unbelievable. 
Brian Baker did give up a run, wasn't charged to him on Saturday in Chicago, but the stuff still looks good. I still trust him. Danny Coulomb did give up his first earned run on Saturday. Still his stuff looked good. I still trust him a lot. But Danny Coulomb, what a waiver claim that's been for Mike Elias and the O's. I mean, the stuff is really good from the left side. He's been super helpful because a certain other couple of lefties have not been good. And then the last guy, I mean, I know it's only been two appearances, but give me Yenier Cano. I mean, you can't pitch much better than the guy did in his first two outings of the year on Friday and Saturday. I got to put him in the trust category. I mean, Brandon Hyde trusted him enough to pitch him in the bottom of the ninth of a tie game with two, three, four up in the White Sox order. And Cano said, all right, 10 pitches. See ya. See ya. Let's go to extras. That 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 sinker changeup combination is filthy. And then he's thrown just enough sliders in there to keep guys on their toes. It might blow up in my face because he's had a lot of command issues in his career. And he's already in his late 20s. You know, there's a reason why he hasn't been in the big leagues for longer. It's because so many command issues. Maybe he's finally figuring it out. Maybe this is just a little flash in the pan. He's going to go back to walking guys. It could happen. But right now, it's fun. It's nasty. And I trust him. I actually only have two guys in the maybe trust category. And for two different reasons. Number one is Mike Bauman. We haven't really seen him in anything that close to a high leverage spot. So that's why I don't put him in trust. But he has been good in the spots he's been in. They've mostly been low leverage. But Bauman was a big kind of underrated reason why the Orioles won Friday night in Chicago. He came into that game after Tyler Wells came out in the sixth inning. Two on, one out. He walks the first battery faces, and you're thinking, oh boy, bases loaded, one out. It's already 3-0. White Sox could blow up in this game. And Bauman gets gigantic back-to-back strikeouts to get them out of that inning. And what do the O's do? They put up four runs in the very next top half of the inning with the big Adley Rutschman hit to take the lead. And it was all Mike Bauman getting those huge outs. I'm liking the stuff as a full-time reliever. Only in the maybe trust because we really haven't seen him in a big-time high-leverage spot. When I see him do that, he moves up the rankings. And the other guy is Spencer Watkins. Now, by the time you listen to this, Watkins could have honestly been optioned back to AAA. I haven't seen anything that makes me put him in the don't trust and haven't seen anything that makes me put him in the trust because he's just kind of here as the emergency long relief option. So that's why he's there. I mean, nothing positive or negative to say. I liked what I saw from Spencer Watkins last year. I think we'll see more of him later in the season. But that leaves four guys in the don't trust. Number one is Logan Gillespie, who actually moved down into that group after the outing on Saturday. Now, I know I just said a couple of minutes ago that he was kind of unlucky and it was a bad spot for him. But you still got to do a little better. I mean, you come in, bottom of the 10th inning, zombie runner on second, you're leading 6-5. to Your goal when you're Logan Gillespie, and, you know, Felix Bautista, we talked about it, he was not available for that game. That's why he didn't pitch there in the safe situation to pitch the two days before. Bautista only pitched three days in a row once in all of 2022. You're especially not going to do it in April. So Gillespie was, unfortunately, the best reliever remaining to try and close that game out. Your goal there, when when you're Felix Bautista, your goal... Secure the win. When you're Logan Gillespie, the goal is you're going to give up that zombie runner. Just get the game to the 11th. Not only did he not do that, he was over the middle of the plate and he didn't even record an out. So I think he's in a little bit of danger of being optioned. I think he'll probably stay up here in the pen, but I'm going to put him down in don't trust. Next up in don't trust is CNL Perez. And this one hurts me a bit to say, but his first couple outings this year were good. Since then, the regression is real for CNL Perez. 
Didn't look good Friday. Didn't look good Saturday in his two outings in the Chicago series. Not getting any swings and misses at all. He was getting a lot of whiffs on the fastball and the slider last year. The fastball still has that same upper 90s velocity, but the slider does not have the bite on it that it used to. His command is still not bad, but it's not as good as it was last year. More pitches in the middle of the plate, not as much the walks that are the biggest issue still. It's more so stuff in the middle of the plate getting hit, and he is getting hit right now. I am concerned about Cena Perez. And again, I talked about it multiple times this offseason that my number one regression candidate in the Orioles' bullpen was Cena Perez. His expected ERA was almost three runs higher than his actual 1.4 ERA in 2022. Biggest difference of any pitcher in baseball last year. He was due to get worse. Don't know if it was going to be this much worse. I still think he's effective. I still don't think the O's are going to option him anytime soon. But I don't think he's getting the eighth inning in a one-run game for the next couple of weeks. He is in the don't trust category. And then the last two are pretty self-explanatory. Keegan Aiken, we'll see if he comes back after coming off the paternity list, whether he's in AAA or the bigs. It just hasn't been good early. And then Austin Voth, it's been really bad. He's definitely in DFA danger coming up here soon and, and obviously is in that don't trust list. So it is nice to have four guys in the trust list because the last time I did this, I only had three guys in the trust list. So the O's bullpen, I think we can agree, has gotten marginally, marginally better over the last week. Although, to be fair... It's probably all due to Yenier Cano coming up and being really, really good in those first two outings. But that'll do it for today's episode with the off day yesterday. But I will be back tomorrow. We'll have a game to talk about once again. The Beltway Battle doesn't have kind of the, um, the hype behind it that it has in some years in the past. It's kind of flipped a little bit here. For a while, it was both the Nats and the O's were really bad. Then it was both the Nats and the O's are good. Then for a bit, the Nats were a World Series winning team and the Orioles were tanking. And now the Orioles are trying to win and the Nationals are an absolute dumpster fire. But it's a 7.05 game tonight. It's Dean Kramer for the Orioles trying to turn things around and it is the right-handed Josiah Gray going for the Nationals. Then I'll be back on tomorrow's episode breaking down everything we saw from Beltway Battle Game 1. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb and this has been the Locked On Orioles Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.